Clay for leading us in worship. Thank you so much. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. This morning, we make it all the way to verse 16. Verse 16. Last week, we were together and we were talking through or preaching on and, and having the word come forth from verses 14 and 15 about lifting the Lord Jesus up in your life. And this week we get to chapter uh, 3 verse 16 and we're going to go all the way through verse 21 and the subject this morning is choose love. Choose love. You know we have a choice. Everything we do in life we do by choice. We were laughing at Wendell this morning as he came in. He, he has been blessed to have a job to where he can work from home and he has decided to grow his beard. So praise the Lord, he don't have to shave and go to work or, or, or work away from home. So now he can just let himself go, right? Somebody said something like that. Okay. I told him, I appreciate that. I mean, I know how much it means. You, sometimes you have to shave every day, and when you get an opportunity where you don't have to shave every day, man, it feels good to just let it go sometimes, right? There you go. All right. The choices that we make on a daily basis lead to who we are. When you think about it, if you are uh, wanting to make a change in your life, you choose to make changes. And I heard somebody say one time, nothing will ever change until something changes. So the choices that we make dictate how we live our life. Who we are uh, at the very core of our being is betrayed or portrayed by the decisions that we make. So now, this morning, this, this passage of Scripture comes from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory the Son of God, and He says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. This morning we are discussing the idea of choosing love. Let's pray together, please. God, as we bow before you, 
We know that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the creator and sustainer of all things. Even right now, you nourish us. You bring us up. You teach us. You guide us. And we praise you for that. Father, you also, you also, Lord, teach us the right way to go. And you convict us of going the wrong way, of making wrong choices. Father, I pray this morning that you will shine light into our life, that all the darkness will flee, so that as we come into your presence, as we rejoice in you, we will be pleasing in your sight. We love you this morning, Father. We want to praise you for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Choose love. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Moses is laying out the law for the people. He has given them the Ten Commandments and he has spoken to them about all the rules and regulations of everyday life. And he comes in chapter, 20, uh, chapter 30, he starts in verse 19, and he says these words. He says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore... Choose life. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 29, a very long chapter, the first 14 verses are talking about those things that, that will, they will be blessed in. And then all the verses that follow after that, some 50 or so verses, I believe, talk about the curses that will come upon those who are disobedient. And he says, I've laid before you obedience and disobedience, life and death. I have laid before you light and darkness. I have shown you what is evil and what is good. Therefore, you need to choose the good. Choose life. And as we get into the New Testament, in chapter 3, the Lord Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And we've been covering that for a couple of weeks now. Jesus told him, you must be born again. It's a choice you make. You choose to be obedient to God or disobedient to God. Every person has that choice. So this morning, as we start in verse 16, remember what we said last week about lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord of your life. And this is what he said. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. First thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is God's character. God's character. I believe it's spelled out very well in these two verses about God's character. Three things that I see here that I want to share with you. The very first one is God's love. God's love. You see, God's love, the Scripture says that God is love. That you can't experience love outside of God. True love, the way that love is supposed to be, meant to be for us, we get it through God. Now you can know the world's idea of love or the the world's... uh, supposed idea or what they think the word love means, but that's not love at all. That's a perversion of the true love that God has for us and we should have for Him. 
We need to understand that God is love. It comes from Him, channels through us to other people if we allow it. God is love. Now, go to, whenever you get an opportunity, go and read 1 John chapter 4. Really, all of 1 John, because he is talking about love in that, and he explains it so well. And he says, You can't have love unless you love God. You're not going to love your brother. You're not going to love anybody in this world with a godly, with a right kind of love unless you accept God's love and allow God's love to flow through you to them. Then you will know love. If you have not experienced that love this morning, let me tell you, He is here, love is here, and He wants you to understand His love for you. As we were singing songs earlier, one of the lines in one of the songs just struck me, and I was like, wow, that's... That is just so good. And it was talking about how we forget or we think that our life is about us. And, you know, we've, uh, years I spent in vanity and pride. Years I followed my own way. But then the love of God came in and He changed things. And I chose Him. I choose to serve and worship Him so that His character can be flowing in me and through me to the world that needs it so badly. This world needs to see God's love in you so that they will know God's love and want it, accept it. You know, the whole world thinks that God's just out to get them. You know, they see God and they see Him sitting on the throne like an angry grandfather and every time the child messes up, He's got a little, a little zap button. You know, we talked about the zap button last week. What I would do if I was God. But God, everybody thinks that God's just waiting to punish them. Yeah, you step out of line, I'm going to get you. No, you, you, uh, if you don't do things this way or that way, then I'm going to get you. You can't have any fun, you can't do anything, or I'm going to get you. That's the way they look at God. But that is not God. God is love. Now, Satan wants everybody to think that God is mean and to hold them back from all the, the pleasures of life and all those things, that they, all the ideas that the world will tell you that you need. They say, well, God doesn't want you to have those things. You know what? God has a better plan than that. You see, God wants you to, to bring you out of the gutter where all that stuff is and show you what real fun is, what real life, what real love is. But you've got to choose Him. You've got to choose His way. God is love. He's not waiting to punish you. He's waiting for you to come to Him so that He can love you the way that you should be loved by a God who created you to love Him and for Him to love. Now, first of all, God is love. The second idea that I've gotten out of this verse is that God is legal. God is legal. Now, we know that God is... I'm not talking about that particular type of legal that probably popped into your mind. God operates legally. He's not going to do anything that's a, a contrary to His character. He is just. He is righteous. And what He has done for us fulfills the legal contract for our soul. You see what it says? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
See, that fulfills the legal contract, the legal side of God. What He has done is taken care of us so that we don't have to face the punishment that we would have to face without God because we are sinful. We're unholy and unrighteous. And God demands justice for sin. And yet, He paid the price for us legally so that the papers are already drawn up. The price has already been paid and all we have to do is agree to the contract and we are forgiven legally. We don't have to face the punishment. We don't have to pay the, the, the price. It has been paid for us. God is legal. Now, listen, John, 1 John chapter 4 says this. Let me get over there real quick. 1 John chapter 4. In this is love, verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, God first loved us. We didn't love Him. He loved us and drew Him to, his, to Himself. You see, He gave us the opportunity to come to Him. And the word propitiation, a great big word, they don't speak like that in Ruth, Mississippi. All right? I had to look it up. So what I do is I get my little thesaurus on my phone and I type it in. So I find words that help me to understand what that word means. So here's a couple of words that I wrote down real quick. Atonement. Recon reconcilement. But also, satisfaction. Compensation. Restitution. Now let me read it just a little bit differently with one of these other words in there. He loved us and sent His Son to be the satisfaction for our sins. Hey, doesn't that sound great? What that means is He's taking care of it. He's satisfied on the legal end that everything is done, everything is taken care of. We don't have to face the punishment. He... He sent His Son to be the compensation for our sins. Hey, I understand that a whole lot better than the propitiation. I know that Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You see, God is love. God is legal. And you know what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means God loved you so much that legally He, he ordained it, He manufactured it, He scripted it out to where you don't have to face your punishment legally before Him. You can stand before Him innocent right now because the judge of the universe has said it so. And the gavel comes down and bangs and says, He is innocent because the price has already been paid. Satisfaction has already been met. The compensation is in the bank. And He is free. God is love, God is legal, and God is long-suffering. Look at verse 17 with me, please. Let me get back over there. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Hey, do you know what? God is long-suffering. Listen to how long He waited for me. I was about 11 years old. And, you know, I was a typical kid. I, you, most of you probably already heard this before. I was just a regular old boy. And I sat back there at Ruth Baptist Church, and I was hanging on to the pews for about three months because every time the pastor would give the invitation, I knew that the Lord was telling me, He's talking to you. You need to be saved. You need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And one day, I went down and I asked the Lord to save me. And He did. I asked the Lord to forgive me. And He did. I asked the Lord to give me everlasting life. And He did. Now, did I live my life the way that He wanted me to for a long time? No. Am I now? No, I'm still not perfect. Don't, Bridget, you didn't hear that, did you? Okay. She knows. But listen, God paid the price for me so that I could have everlasting life. He waited until the time was just right, when my heart was tender, when I would actually listen to it and understand that He paid the price for me, and when He got a hold of my heart, He squeezed it till it hurt, and I knew that I needed Him. And I turned it over to Him. Many years later, my heart was hurting just as bad, because I was struggling with whether or not I was really saved. God was calling me into the ministry at that point as well, but I was crying out to the Lord, what is this hurt that's in my heart? Am I really saved? And He spoke to me one night, not audibly, but He put it in my mind. He took me right back to Ruth Baptist Church on the altar, and He led me through the same prayer that I prayed that morning. And you know what? He told me, that was the moment you became mine. And it's done. You see, the contract was signed. He had it drawn up for me legally. It was notarized. It was purified. I don't know all the... But anyway, He had it all lined out and all I had to do was say, Yes, Lord, here I am. He was waiting for me to come. And let me tell you the truth. He was waiting for you to give your life to Him. I hope that you have already done that, that you have that contract with Jesus who will never turn you away. He will never let you go. He will always have you with Him. So when you have that contract, when you know, when you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, He has you right where He wants you, in His care, in His love. But if you don't know Him this morning, if you have not bowed the knee to Him, if you don't know that you're saved, He's waiting for you to come now and say, Yes, I want you. I want the freedom of sins that you bring. I want everlasting life that you allow me because of what you have done. You see, Jesus paid it all. God's long-suffering. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You see, when we turn God away, we are turning away His long-suffering. We're turning away the goodness of God that leads us to 
repentance. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Some people ask, well, why hadn't the Lord Jesus already come? The world's gotten so bad and all these things are going on. I, Lord Jesus, come now. He's waiting for the last one to complete the kingdom of heaven, the bride of Christ. And when that last one gives his life, her life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's going to be time. Because of God's long-suffering toward those who are lost, dying and headed to hell. He's waiting for you to say, I want your love. I need your love. I want to love you back. Teach me how. That's God's character. He is love. He is legal and He is long-suffering. But now let's take a look at ourselves. This is the hard part. This is the part that we don't like to do very often. Look in verse 18 and 19. The Scripture says, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. L look at that phrase, condemned already. Alright? Because what we're looking at is our birthmark. Our birthmark. We were born condemned already. The Scripture says, He who believes in Christ is not condemned, but whoever has not believed in Him is condemned already. That means it's a previous condition. We were born in it. We have been condemned all of our life until we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are born in a sinful state. Condemned, unholy, unrighteous, unworthy of the Almighty to spend any time on us until... We accept Christ until we sign the contract making Jesus our Lord and Savior. Until we accept His gift. Then we're not condemned anymore. Then we have redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. But our previous condition was condemned. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin, we are sinful, we are condemned. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 and 22. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. One man cost us our holiness. It was the first man, Adam. One man, one God-man came to redeem all of mankind and allows us, draws us into a holy, righteous relationship with God Almighty. He paid the price for us. We were condemned. He was sinless. He was not condemned. He is our righteousness. He came lived in righteousness, walked in righteousness, was holy completely, and paid the price so that we could have His condition and be relieved of ours. 
In Romans chapter 3, it says there's none, there's none who does good, no, not one. In Genesis chapter 6, you know the condition of the world before Noah and the ark, as God looked on the world, He says the very intent of their heart was evil all the time. And I know that our condition right now, our, the, world of, the condition of our world right now is the same. It's the same. It's our birthmark. But guess what? Jesus is the birthmark eraser. He is the one who takes it away. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born spiritually. You see, you've been born fleshly, physically, and you have been born into condemnation. What you need to do is be born spiritually so that you can be in a right relationship with God. And you do that by accepting God's way, God's cure for our condemnation. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. He says, if I am, he, he's equating himself to the cure in the Old Testament. He says, I am the cure for mankind's sin, the illness that they suffer from. I am the cure. And when we lift him up, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he takes away our birthmark. Sinful, condemned, unrighteous, unholy considered by God in Christ Jesus, sinless, not condemned, righteous, perfect in Christ Jesus. The birthmark can be replaced with the cross, with God's sign, God's forgiveness, God's redemption of us. We've looked at God's character. We've seen our birthmark. Now, going back to John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. How about our practice? How about our practice? And see, in verse 20, it says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, or he who practices the truth, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. You see, there's a choice to make. Every day, we choose darkness or light. We choose evil or righteousness. We choose either ourselves or God. Every day. The choice is ours. And you see, what we do is we have a desire within us, and we either set aside that desire for unholiness and unrighteousness and follow God, or we go with that desire and we walk in darkness. You see, verse 20 says there, everyone practicing evil hates the light because the light shines on them and shows how bad they are, how evil they are. And we don't like that. We don't want anybody telling us what's wrong with us. We want everybody praising us and telling us we're okay. If you want to hear that, go to Joel Olstein's church. Don't come here, because we're just... Okay, I'm sorry. We either choose deception or darkness. We choose God's love and light. The deception that Satan wants us to, to accept leads us to evil. 
the love that God offers us leads us to His light. And that leads us to our opportunity. You see, we have a desire, and Jesus says that we need to die to self daily, take up our cross and follow Him, deny ourselves. Paul said it this way, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live for Christ Jesus, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, we have the opportunity to set ourselves aside. To do away with the human desires of the worldly desires and then accept the desires that God wants us to have for righteousness and holiness. That opportunity is ours. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 19. Paul is writing this and he says, For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. You see what Paul is saying? He, Paul, he claimed himself to be the chief of sinners. He also said this, Hey, look, I'm not perfect. But when we look at Paul, we think, man, he's a super Christian. Look at all that he did. But he says, look, the things that I want to do aren't the things that I always do. Some of the things that I don't want to do end up being the things that I do. So it sounds to me like Paul had a lot in common with us. You see... What he wants us to understand is every person struggles with those things and he wants us to choose right. He wants us to choose light. He goes on describing how hard it is from him. And then in verse 24, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Listen now. We look at Paul and we say, Look at all he accomplished for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was looking at himself and saying, I am a pitiful wretch. I haven't done half of what I needed to do, even a portion of what I need to do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's saying, I thank God that through Jesus Christ I have been delivered from this life of death, this body of death. We have the opportunity. The desire is within us to do right, or do wrong, we have the opportunity to choose right. So the choice is this. Do you choose condemnation and staying in that state because we're born that way, because that's, that's how we are before Christ Jesus? We're not condemned, we're born condemned. God doesn't condemn us, He just doesn't save us from our condemnation. Because, he says, if you don't accept Christ, there is no change in you. So to get out of condemnation, we've got to accept Christ Jesus our Lord, as Lord. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, the condemnation has been removed, taken away. You're now in a right relationship with God when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you do that, no more condemnation. Only acceptance and love from God. And by the way, He's been waiting for that moment with you. 
He is long-suffering toward you, wanting to show His love for you, showing you that He's got a legal contract already signed, everything's taken care of, all you've got to do, yes, Lord, take me, here I am, save me, forgive me of all my sins, bring me into a right relationship with God, and give me eternal glory, heaven with you. That's what God's waiting on, His long-suffering. He's waiting for you to say yes. That is who God is. He doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want anybody to be punished. He wants everybody to accept righteousness. He wants everybody to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and everybody to be a part of His kingdom. But He knows the heart of man is also. also because some people will still desire their own way rather than God. How about you this morning? What's your choice? You see, it's, it's simple. It's only one way or the other. It, it's not a multiple choice question. It's true or false. It's yes or no. When Jesus asks you, will you be saved? Will you be redeemed from your condemnation? It's either yes, Lord, or no. What's your choice? Are you happy living in your sin and evil? Are you, you running to the darkness to avoid the light? Or are you running to the light to avoid the darkness? This morning, whatever God's laid on your heart, whatever He's told you, it's your opportunity to do something about it. Whatever it is, if it's for salvation, He wants you to come and receive the light. He wants you to come into forgiveness. He wants, to come into, wants you to come into His love. And this morning, if there's something else, if there's someone that you need to pray for that He's laid on your heart to accept for salvation, whatever it is, God is asking you to do something this morning. Will you be obedient to Him? It's your choice. What's it going to be? Let's pray together this morning. God, how amazing You are. Your love for us we can't understand because we know who we are. We know we are unworthy and unlovable. But we desire You. Lord, this morning, we thank You so much for being able to come into Your house freely and worship. And Father, this morning, as the invitation is given, I ask that Your will be done. I pray that those that need salvation will accept it for those who need to turn back to You and repent of sins, that they will do that. For those who want to come and, and just ask You to bless them today, I pray that You will give them strength to do that. Whatever it is that You've laid on our hearts this morning, Father, help us to make, make sure that we take care of it right now during Your invitation time. You're in charge of it. You, you cause to happen what You will today. In Jesus' name, Amen.